You're listening to a Time Machine podcast. Old movie Time Machine. An adventure through time and or space. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Old Movie Time Machine. This is the show in which we use color films made in the old U.S. of A. between the years of 1945 and 1965 as windows into the past. That's right. We throw the window open. We climb inside the window or through the window, I guess, not inside the window itself. That's not really a thing that happens, but you can pass through the window into the world beyond the window and beyond that window. It's a whole different scene, you guys, filled with places things, ideas, and most importantly, people. And while we're investigating all of the above, we're going to be asking some critical questions, such as these people. Who are these people? What are their habits? How are they treating each other? What decisions are they making and why? And also, and arguably the most important part of all of this, what are they wearing and what do their living rooms look like? And then at the end of the show, we come back through the window to present times and we make a judgment call. We ask the final vital question on behalf of all of humanity here in the early 21st century, which is this movie that we just watched, this window into a different time, a different world. We keep watching this thing. Do we keep uh, showing this to ourselves and to others? Do we keep spreading this around? letting it drip down from one generation to another, or do we just cast it aside and let it fade into oblivion? We will find out. I'm your host, by the way, through time and or space, Justin Zeppa, joined as ever by my panel of international experts at being humans in the early 21st century, and also, and I sometimes leave this out, and I really shouldn't, and I apologize uh, to all of you here, the smartest people that I know. Starting on my left, as ever, the one, the only, Catherine Sherlock. Hi, Catherine. Hello. Welcome back to the program. Thank you. Lovely to see you. And to be here. And on your left, coming soon to a chair near you, Shrishma Naik, who is late to the recording session, and we just couldn't wait any longer. So she will be popping in at some point. We will give her a world of grief when she does arrive, and she will say, oh, something came up, and also I didn't watch the movie, or whatever it is she's going to say. It's Who knows? That's part of the mystery. So enjoy that. And in theory, on her left, and also across the ocean, my sister and yours, Carolyn Narrows. Hey, sis. Hey there. Welcome back to the program. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. You guys, today we're talking about a little motion picture film, a movie, if you will, 1953's Invaders from Mars. Now, real quick. Anybody seen this movie before? Yes. Have you? I have. Oh, where have you seen this? Do you remember? Just on the TV. I Just think. somewhere around? Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Maybe several times as well. Really? Mm. Wow, that's interesting. Not but, for a long time, but yeah, this was definitely something that was just kind of on the telly at some point. Do you feel like this was in circulation in the same way that American Westerns were in circulation a lot in the UK? Yeah, possibly not. Perhaps not quite as. Um, Frequently, as westerns, but mm. yeah, certain yeah, sci-fi is, is definitely uh, um, it's definitely an appetite for that in the UK. So. Okay, okay, yeah, it's uh, I, I'm just surprised because 
It doesn't, according to the print that we watched anyway, this does not seem to be a movie that has been loved by time very much no. or possibly too loved too much. I mean, it looks kind of rough. The, it, yeah. It needs a, a restoration. Yes. I'd so, like to some, see it. Somebody needs to take care of it. Yeah. Carolyn, have you seen this movie before? I can't imagine you have. No. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> And according to the expression on your face, you <laughs> may have been fine having not seen said movie. Mm-hmm. But maybe like, we can get a, ourselves a little clue with our typical section about one-line reviews. Catherine Sherlock, do you mm. have a one-line review for 1953's Invaders from Mars? Yes, I do. Okay. So, uh, this Mars Attacks version is a straight-laced and earnest boy who does not cry wolf tale, complete with some excellent alien concepts. Okay. Mm. That's a very generous review, I have to say. Yeah. But I'm loving it. It's very, it, yeah. I mean, it's, a, it's straight up. There's something about, I don't know if you, I mean, you're kind of a spacey person, right? Mm. We've talked about this before. Uh there's something about the idea of, especially when you're a kid, that in your neighborhood, something can come down and land and be weird and alien, and maybe you can be a part of their adventures. Something I thought about all the time. So anytime something like this happens where we're watching a movie that is that very thing, I'm into the idea at the very least. Yeah. I mean, this is very much a you know kid saving the world. You know, trying to save his parents, saving the world. He he's the one who knows what's going on. He's mm-hmm. the young scientist to be. Um, <laughs> Taken very seriously by legitimate scientists. scientists, yeah. <laughs> who have spent years studying. And they're yeah, like, this but kid's he, he amazing. Was just, apparently he was just hanging around in their labs and um, this is fine. <laughs> Enough for them to, to get an accurate uh, reading on his character as, as yeah. a human being. Although, to be fair, I was working in the laboratory at 16. So, yeah, I was kind of a Oh, kid. so you are this kid. Quite possibly. You are David. <laughs> David Catherine Sherlock McLean. How about that? <laughs> Sis, did you have any, uh, what are your thoughts on aliens, by the way, Carolyn? We, this is something we've never really spoken of that I can recall, but maybe we should be speaking of more often. I mean, we're in middle age. Well, life is kind of what it is. Maybe we need to be talking more about aliens. How do you feel I about mean, that? I mean, I feel like we have talked about it and maybe on the program before. To a certain <laughs> extent, science is not only about what you can prove through rigorous methodology, but that also means that until it's tested, we don't know what we don't know or until we have proof. Right. Until we have, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm not saying that there isn't alien life form. I'm, I'm, I guess my opinion would be why. And I think we talked about this when we did, the other spacey one with the eye thing. What was that called? Oh, War of the Worlds. War of the Worlds. Yeah. Why are aliens always scary? Because we as humans are afraid of anything that's not like us, including right, other humans right, right. that don't look like us, obviously. Mm-hmm. I mean, also spiders. I mean, let's face it. We're scared of spiders. <laughs> yeah, that's true. 100%. <laughs> that, I mean, if anything's an alien on this planet... Spiders, maybe snakes, yeah. too. Right. I mean, yeah. come on. Again, yeah. you're moving. I don't see any legs. How is this happening? Mm-hmm. How is this working? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, but I, I'm one that's like, but what if it is very, you know, um, sort of George Lucas-esque and we've got a, a planet full of puppies, I mean, or Ewoks <laughs> or whatever. Like, what if they're like cute 
intelligent forms of life. Yeah, but like they pandas. Be cute I don't and know. Evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's true. Thing, you know, you just doesn't. It's kind of the Men in Black kind of touches on that a little bit. Right. A little bit. Uh, Carolyn, did we? We never got your one line review though. So can you hit us with that? My one line review is that this seemed to be a lot of running around, a lot of running around at the very end in tunnels, and then this great <laughs> line appears. And one of the guys says, you got to hit him right in the puss. Right in the puss with a grenade. <laughs> yep. I, I also loved right this film opened up with, David, no cussing. Mother's tired. <laughs> <laughs> it might need that. incredibly straight-laced. And then it sort of dissolved into absolute chaos. Like, Oh, my God. This was very 1950s. My one-line review real quick is this feels like a school report written by a kid who has just seen the war of the worlds and borders on folk art. My impression is that this was a very shoestring budgety type of Mm -hmm. film. Mm -hmm. You've got three, maybe four locations tops. Mm. They're making the most out of it. You've got three, maybe four hours tops of stock footage of the military mobilizing. Mm-hmm. Not unlike the War of the Worlds, it's very similar. Also came out the same year, so it's kind of interesting to compare and contrast the two. War of the Worlds clearly has a budget and a very fixed idea of what it is. This also is a fixed idea, but it's just much smaller in scale and mm-hmm. much more. We're just trying to piece. Do you want to be in this movie? Well, come on in and be in this movie. Hey, can we borrow that? fence for our movie we need to make a movie so it feels very adorably handcrafted in a way yes i i I agree and i I felt like uh some of the set pieces were very sparse you know the the police station it was very theatrical i mean it was yes huge white walls it was like the police station for heaven there was a clock on the wall so high up on the wall nothing (laughs) else and it was like uh what's happening here this is the cleanest police environment i've ever seen yeah and he's got two huge lamps on the side corridors yes things yeah it was very strange yeah it was was almost a bit of like a diorama that you would have made mm. in a shoebox. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it also has elements of, what is it, German expressionism? Is that what we're thinking of? When I think of like mm. Caligari and uh, early Fritz Lang movies, like just mm. very Nosferatu, that kind of thing. Like yeah. everything's very exaggerated. The backgrounds seem kind of... Uh, two-dimensional almost in a way like yeah. sort of like a cut out yeah like you say like a play you know yeah, the, exactly. like play mm-hmm. sets and, and i i think the third dimension was actually quite clever here which was the music i think the way okay. that was used was very interesting i i enjoyed the choir part that symbolized yeah. the spaceship doing anything yeah alien that was great spookiness. anytime you but have it, a choir of people just going oh but that that's it's completely inspired by the by holsts uh, the planets uh, which is a fabulous piece of music. Absolutely, but this is this is totally uh, taken from that. that yeah, that I could see otherworldly, that otherworldly. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the the use of the choir in that otherworldly fashion. Mm-hmm. That, that mm-hmm. They've definitely taken that and run with it. Uh, but that that but it, it almost fills in like plot holes. Like 
Yeah. And, and special lack effects of. holes. Yeah. It's yeah. Like the, oh, there's some sand Quick draining sand way holes. down a hole here. <laughs> right, <laughs> Let's right. Get some yeah, yeah, yeah. music on it. Guys, don't like, don't linger on this shot for too long. We can't. We can no. only get away for with it for a couple of seconds. But with the music here. overlaying it, it's suddenly interesting. There's atmosphere. There's yeah. mood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Absolutely. Uh, another little movie you may have heard of that is also borrowed from uh, the planets. Which is a what is that like a symphonic suite? I guess we would call that. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a piece for each each, each of planet, them, right? Yeah, yeah, each major planet. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Boy Williams and his original Star Wars Ooh. score borrows a lot of ideas and beats, and I think actually George Lucas cut the movie to some of the Holtz pieces mm. uh, before, as like a temp track, yeah. and was like, yeah, try to match it like this, do it like that, Johnny. So right off the bat, we're just going to get into it. Invaders from Mars. So we open with a big, bold, brassy, three-dimensional title card coming out of the depths of the cosmos in big red letters, Invaders from Mars. Uh, Or so they say, quote unquote. You know what they say, Catherine. Mm. Invaders from Mars. Mars. Allegedly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Here they are. And... I was kind of anticipating, you know, again, having seen the War of the Worlds, having done Destination Moon, you know, maybe we're going to get some kind of spacey intro here. We get a little bit in that space appears here in the background, unmoving, cold, and also most likely uncaring, indifferent. Uh, All I know is that this movie was not only directed by a man named William Cameron Menzies, but it was also production designed. And he actually front loads with production designed and directed by William Cameron Menzies. I've never seen that before. Just wanted to make a note of it. It's interesting because I guess if he's the production designer, he's the one making these phone calls asking to borrow the fence and somebody's car and somebody's old army uniform Okay, so it's very much his vision. Ah, apparently. This mm-hmm. this is what I'm led to believe. Again, very little research has gone into this program. <laughs> However, I do have a few <laughs> bits of uh, a couple nuggets of trivia for you that I will dish out at the appropriate time. One in particular about these tunnel tunnel walls. I don't oh, know, I don't know okay. if you heard about this, but mm, I have my own on. theories about that. Okay, okay. <laughs> so we open. Uh, there's a there's a voiceover. It is not the voice of Paul Frees, who is who we would normally associate with spacey voiceovers and have seen do spacey voiceovers or have heard rather do spacey voiceovers for both the War of the Worlds and also that funny feeling. Is that that's the Bobby Darren one? Yeah, that funny feeling. Long eyeball. Where he fools us into thinking that it's a space movie, but really it's just a dumb romantic comedy with Bobby Darren who looks like a wax dummy. Joan is my maid. A- and behaves like a wax dummy too, for that matter. But so we're not getting the ghost host Paul Freeze here. We are getting somebody's very sonorous voiceover talking about kind of giving a, another run through the solar system, just reminding you that the planets are there and they exist and we can travel through them. And what if there was life out there? And, you know, where would they live? And also... Let's leave it to the scientists to think about and ponder. There's just some musings about scientists. Scientists, Catherine, mm. of all ages. Yes. And then we find ourselves in the childhood bedroom of the actual child, David McLean, who is, I guess, our main character. 
Yeah. Uh, he he's he's around. He's in many, if not all, the scenes. He kind of falls by the wayside at a certain point because he is just a kid, and he only has so much agency in this world of military industrial complex, which which encroaches just like Eisenhower always warned us it would, and comes in and just takes over this town. To be fair, I think Eisenhower was president at this point, so he only has himself to blame. I would have loved to have seen him make a cameo in this movie, though. Now, young David, he's asleep in his bed, and he is awoken by his alarm clock at four o'clock in the morning. And we're wondering, what's this all about? He's got swim practice. That's what that's all about. Because <laughs> uh, when alarms oh, go off okay. at my house, Familiar it's because it's our waking for up. Dr. Nowrose. Okay, interesting. <laughs> interesting. Well, like, he look, it's one thing to be up early in the morning slash late at night when you're a kid. It's a very exciting thing to do. It's very sneaky because you're supposed to be asleep and mom and dad just need a goddamn break where they can sleep and not worry about where you are. However, young David violates the cardinal rule of up all nightism, which is don't wake up your housemates. And sure as shit, his alarm clock wakes up dad. Uh uh, danger zone. What are you talking about, kid? You got to be careful. You stick that alarm clock under your pillow or something like that. You have to muffle this thing. Don't wake up dad. Never wake up dad. This is the rule of any house that has a dad. Don't wake him up. You know what the new rule is? What's that? Don't fucking wake up mom. Don't. Don't. <laughs> okay. Mom don't or dad. It. How about that? <laughs> don't wake up your parents. They're, they're so tired. They work all day. David, you're running around catching frogs, uh, shooting stones with your slingshot, and also studying deep space mm-hmm. telescopes. Scopy. Uh, it's interesting. He's lives quite a rich life, but uh, mom and dad got to go to work in the morning. So keep it down over there. Dad wakes up. He is very confused. Dad's name is George, by the way, George McLean. And mom's name is help uh, Mary. I believe Mary McLean. We'll call her mom though. And I can't recall off the top of my head, but they were sleeping in separate beds. Correct. There's no way they're sleeping in the same bed. Does it? Let's. It's most likely they're in different beds. Okay. As, as was custom at the time, and I will. It's not likely I'm going to go back and check. But so that is just fact. Now I have just laid that down. Nobody else out there check either because you've also forgotten. But it's no no use. Let's just pretend for the sake of the program. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Dad wakes up. He's like, "Who's good?" And his wife is like, hey, don't worry about it. The alarm is set for 730 or whatever. It's four in the morning. You're out of your mind. So mom wasn't too bothered by David's alarm clock. Dad, however, figures it out once he kind of comes to and he's just sort of like, this kid of mine, because it turns out that dad is a scientist. Mm hmm. Of some note, a local scientist. This small town, I'm assuming it's a small town. Yes. Has myriad scientists, an abundance of scientists. It, it seems to be near some kind of military research base. Some kind of facility they've yeah. got. They've uh, There's some kind of manufacturing facility that something happens to later in the movie. 
but also there's there's a restricted area where mm-hmm. there's a rocket launch pad and all of this. Mm-hmm. There's also a big old observatory in this town. It's a fascinating town, wherever this is. But anyway, he is sort of delighted by the fact that his boy is up and doing science things. David's a good boy. So he goes into David's bedroom and he sees him, his son, gazing through a telescope out at the the stars. And he is watching, we are told, uh, Orion at its zenith, I believe. Although he pronounces it Orion, which is a very... U.S. way of doing things. Okay. Uh, but some people do. There is a, a a road in Michigan I'm aware of that is spelled Orion but pronounced Orion. It's a crime in my opinion. Yeah. And a bit like oregano. Oregano. <laughs> Wait a minute. Do I see Shrishma Nike coming up the walk? Guys, this is great. We've never done this live on the air, but I'm going to go let her in. Let's just let the tape roll. You guys talk amongst yourselves. Catherine, you're in charge. Host the show. Oh, my God. We'll wait for the doorbell. Okay. Let's listen to that. When she, she, she might just assume that you're, you're getting it because we've seen her. So we're just scratching at the door now. Let me in. <laughs> like stray cats. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Waiting I'm here to be for my saucer in. of wine. <laughs> there is wine, actually. Well, well, well. Hello. Trish my Nike. To Catherine's left, as previously foretold. Welcome to the program, Trish my Nike. Hey, guys. <laughs> Sorry. Just talking in babes <laughs> from Mars. Get, your, get yourself situated. Yeah. I want to take this time while Shishman's getting ready to say that I am really a fan of Catherine's sweater today. Oh, thank you. Oh, she's Big got a little Lopa pizza on. I yeah, know. It's more, more of a fashion one, though, because it's not like the proper hard wool. I, oh, I really okay. love the back. Can I show you the back? Yes. I want Please. To Wish you would. You know you I would. love the Icelandic sweaters. Oh, yeah. Very. Oh, that's lovely. <laughs> got a little shimmy. <laughs> a little shimmy action. <laughs> Trishma, how are your levels? Levels are good. Great. How great, are my great, levels? Great. Never better. You're leveling up. They were zero before, but now you're <laughs> yeah, in full voice. Yeah, I'm here. I know. What was happening? You doing all right? Yeah. Okay. Work. Just some bullshit. Uh, <laughs> Listen, real quick. Wanted to ask you if you have a one-line review for this movie, <laughs> Invaders from Mars. <clears throat> I'm so glad that since 1953 to 2022, we have evolved the way we say the word mutant. Mutant. Yes, exactly. <laughs> mutant. Yeah, it's a mutant. Saying. Mutant. <laughs> ah. Um, and I also appreciated that the two heroes were the scientists and not... We were just talking about how scientist-centric mm. this little town is. Mm-hmm. Everybody's a goddamn scientist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is something from the era, though, that we've seen, especially in these more sci-fi movies that, like, I'm just thinking back to some of the others we've seen where it's like, oh my God, these scientists are like household names. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Celebrity scientists. Yeah. <laughs> right. And it's unfortunate that today that's not the case. Like, we don't know anything about... There's so much research going on in the US and in the world in science, and no one talks about any of it. Unless except, we, unless know, it's commercialized. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's the thing. There, There are... I'm very famous scientist. Brian Green. Do you know Brian Green? He does a lot of stuff with super strings, string theory. Oh, okay. 
he's Mr. String Theory and multiverses and things like this. Ooh. There's also Brian Cox. Okay. What does he specialize in? He's a physicist. Oh, okay. Ooh. Okay. Um, and astronomer, I believe. Yes. Uh, he does a lot of spacey stuff. You'd like him. Okay. Um, okay. And he was also in, what band was he in in the 90s? I can't remember. Oh, he's a rocket scientist. Mm. Yeah, okay. completely. Actual okay. rock and roll scientist. That's what cool. is the gentleman's name? Michio Kaku, I believe, is a, another. Okay. I mean, I'm if I got that right, then it is a household name, and I if I got say, the name wrong, then bless it is. Bless you. It is not. <laughs> <laughs> Pass the tissues, please. Thanks. Bill, but they're out there. They they publish. <laughs> yes, Bill Nye, the science guy. They Alton published Brown. their books. Alton Brown was good. He did food and cooking. Right. Okay. And okay. Behind cooking. So I mean, there's there's a few, there's some, yeah. but not as I, I many don't, as there I don't should know. be. No, no. Considering I think how how much um, amazing stuff's going on out there, I don't mm-hmm. think it's publicized enough, and it doesn't have to be commercialized to be publicized and be worthy of airtime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I do mm-hmm. think mm-hmm. part of the problem. I will get on my. <clears throat> Hold on, let me. Pull out my soapbox here. Okay. Oh, it's heavy. That's a heavy. It's like an old timey soapbox. Soap yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just going to get up here to say probably part of the reason that we don't hear about it is because most research is behind a paywall of academic journals of which the general public can't access. Unless they are uh, at a university as a researcher, a professor, or a student, where they have the university buying a subscription to the academic journal. So a lot Carol, of research Carol, I'm sorry unknown. to interrupt you. Hold on one sec. Do you guys hear, is there like a grinding sound? Yeah. Are you, gr- are you, are you grinding an axe over there? Mm, what, yeah, I'm just I am. getting some kind of, some kind of <laughs> in- interference. Yeah. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I, I've got a, I've got a small one going on. Oh, do you? Okay, okay. Well. okay. Yeah, I'm okay. kind of just yeah, synchronizing. Maybe we that. should come yeah, up with like do a that trendy science magazine. <laughs> we should, we should do a trendy science. like a fashion magazine, but like a science magazine. Where just we make the scientists look real sexy. Yeah, like get them posed. And like get their uh, all the articles about about like it, science. Isn't, isn't that what like stuff. new scientists do? Actually, I don't know. is it? Yeah, I've never heard of it. What? But we just <laughs> we also have to make sure that it's a peer reviewed. <laughs> Sexy science journal, yes, exactly. because like yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, want yeah. any I'll review bullshit. It. I mean, I'll take no. a look at it. Yeah, what, it's so good. Only sexy scientists. What's in your test tube, baby? Yeah, let's see what else we got. Oh, let's make everything sexy. I can do this. Page this is my job. Looks good. This is what I should be doing yeah. with my life. Catherine's going to be the, the editor. Yeah. yeah, yeah. How many double entendres? No, there's not enough. <laughs> Find some more smut here, people. Do we have an alternate shot here where that that, uh, that tweed jacket's coming off of her shoulder? Come on, what is this? Yes, undo a few more buttons on that white coat. <laughs> yeah. Shushma, I bet you're glad you're here. I am. Uh, so good to see <laughs> How you. How come I don't get some wine? Do you want some wine? Yeah. No, it's wine time. Yeah. Hey, okay. I think we have next year's Halloween costume, which is sexy scientist. Yeah. <laughs> mm. I'll just go as myself. <laughs> right. Same. <laughs> I'll do Sorry, like guys. the evil stepsister version of <laughs> sexy social scientist. Hey, I work with people. <laughs> people are science too. 
I'm gathering quantitative and qualitative data. Ooh la la. Ooh. I should like wow. to know what making out means. We have really taken this one. I think it's a... Well, I'll tell you, Trish, but there's not much to this movie, so we got we to gotta stretch. We got we to gotta fill this guy out a little bit. But we're going to make it short and sweet. <laughs> yeah, that was my favorite bit. I was like, what are they saying? Are they say- what? <laughs> the theory calls them mutants. Mutants? Teenage Mutant Turtles. Mutant. <laughs> hey, everybody. Midroll Jay-Z here just breaking in, just ruining the momentum the show has gained at this point. But I got to tell you guys about these incredible products over at the Tea Public Store. I'm here. I'm actually joined by two very special guests, Catherine Sherlock and Shrishman Ike. Hey, guys. Welcome to the commercial in the middle of the show. Hello. Hi. Nice to see you. What would you guys recommend? If you had your choice, let's say today, you're going to go buy one thing from the Tea Public Store, of which the link is in the show notes, of course. You can go reach it there. Would you rather have a coffee mug? Or an iPhone case. Mm. Out of those choices, yeah. it would have to be the coffee mug, seeing as I have a Samsung phone. Oh my goodness. Well, <laughs> fortunately for you, Catherine, you can get one for Samsung as what? well. What? Yep, well, the options are. Then it might just have to be the phone cover. <laughs> ostensibly limitless. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess we'll just have to test the system and find out. Shrishma, what would you rather have? I would also take the iPhone case. Would you really? I would. All right, well, fuck you, coffee mugs. <laughs> No, that just means that they're available, folks, Coffee for you to go buy. So two thousand. <laughs> what about the t-shirts? I was I was hoping I would get a choice in the t-shirt, yeah. and I would totally say t-shirt. Catherine, you could absolutely get a t-shirt. Go to the words attached to the show. You'll see the link. T Public, old movie time machine, and uh, if you do get one of those things, I'm going to thank you so much. We all are, just like we will right now, right, you guys? Thank, thank you. Thank you. Nice. And now back to the show. Where are we now? Okay, so here's Dr. Wilson in his laboratory doing... Now, look. Science this movie, things. This movie fails in many ways, but it succeeds in expressing in one image exactly what I believe science is. Now, Ooh. you guys work in labs. This is clearly what you're doing all day, which is pouring liquids from one glass vial into yeah. another glass vial, right? With yeah. your Bunsen burners are going. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. This is what we do all day, every day. I have actually had to stage things for photo shoots and you end up doing something like this. Where you're looking into, gazing into a thing, your hand centrifuge. A, a vial of water, water, just going, this is so interesting. <laughs> Why do we keep perpetuating this myth then? Because I can It's not real. You. Look at him. Because real science isn't necessarily quite so photogenic we're not having eureka moments uh, all the time did you not hear the conversation they were having during the break i mean oh i heard i know yeah <laughs> a- 307 oh, is really two, bad yeah oh, it's baby. the fucking worst you've been talking about that one for years yeah, no. yeah. we'll bleep that so it doesn't a- yeah my science yeah, is like worry. it's will secret. you take this survey and if you do i'll give you a piece of candy thanks uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> Thank you. So how many how many liquids do you pour from one glass vial into another? Zero in your day to day. I pour coffee into. Yeah, I think coffee is the main thing. <laughs> oh, that's true. And then there's Shit, milk. I'm a scientist. Then oh, I'm, yeah. a, I'm gonna do a you lot know, of science. You have a you know you have to have the right proportions that's of coffee. Tr- that's to true. Milk. I have to heat the the to water up to a particular to temp. All the sugar. chemistry. Wow. It's all chemistry. You guys, it's very true. Does that make me a chemist? I think so. I think so. Maybe. They work in science, audience. And you're sampling the goods. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Always dip into your own supply, right? (laughs) 
So, I mean, okay, so Dr. Wilson at the lab doing some very serious science, a lot of liquids, a lot of fire, a lot of bubbling, a lot of test tubes and test tube. Uh, he's got a nice little spice rack for his test tubes down here. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he made that by hand. Anyway, his colleague kind of pops his head into this massive, bizarre laboratory with excessive fluorescent lighting <laughs> overhead. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. another very stark set. There's mm-hmm. not a lot else going on yeah. other than angles. I mean, it's a clean room, to be fair. I mean, mm. but he's not wearing gloves. No. Or any kind of mask or... No, or a hairnet. Yeah, I don't yeah. think there's any clean room thing happening. Goggles, anything like that. But he's like, hey, Dr. Wilson, you are you okay? Your daughter died like hours ago. You're fine? He's like, yes, I'm fine. I must do my science. I'm focus on this cannot feel anything he is not mourning too hard it's just my take on it maybe people grieve in mysterious ways right yeah so uh meanwhile david's parents are trying a car is broken routine outside of this very restricted laboratory facility where the guards are like hey what's going on no not these guys Mm. the (laughs) guy don't get too excited (laughs) The guards are like, hey, ma'am, what's wrong? And she's like, this darn car just happened to stop working right outside the gates. And dad makes his way inside somehow. He's got a gun. He takes a shot at Dr. Wilson, who just happens to duck out of the way. Now, he was like, oh, I dropped my pen. He dropped something, right? Ooh. Yes, I was and just going to ask. down to pick it up. <laughs> yes. Sexy then- scientist. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like we have, our center- <laughs> we have our centerfold for our first magazine. <laughs> sounds like. <laughs> Naughty Dr. Wilson drops his pen. <laughs> oh, let me just bend over. As he that. bends over, his white lab coat slides up over his <laughs> tweed encased derriere. No one wants to see that. <laughs> and it would be tweed. Oh, it would be tweedy. <laughs> and then, of course, the there's a, one of the vials he's been working with explodes from the the bullet, of course. And so there would be some kind of fluids dripping. It could be a very sexy puddle-laden scene, you know? Mm. And so, boy, close call for the doctor there. There's a very long run back to the car, and we see every footfall from David's dad as he makes his way from inside a building There's across a, a whole parking so much lot. Running. Just it goes so forever. Much Again, pad that runtime. But they are captured. By the military. If we cut out the running, this movie might be like 40 minutes. It's like a tight Mm. 40, for sure. Meanwhile, back at the sand trap, uh, they blow open an entrance. Oh, like the the military stock footage arrives and they're like, okay, with now we have all of this power together. Let's take a dozen of us out to the sand trap that we have been explicitly trying to avoid this entire time because if there are more of us, it's better. And apparently it is because they start digging and they do not vanish. And then they stick some explosives down there, blow up a hole and find themselves a subterranean cavern. They spend a lot of time climbing down into this cavern just to look around for about 20 seconds and say, well, looks like they're gone. And then we see them climb back out of the cavern. Mm -hmm. It is a strange sequence of events. Well, I think it sets up for the... The alien technology of the ray gun, mm, that's and, and how the aliens are moving around, sealing them, the yeah, passage yeah, behind so them. So they open it up to get to wherever they want to get to and grab a victim, and then they yeah, seal it back up again. So. Yes. Now, would you like my final piece of trivia that I mm. have gained from the power of the interwebs? Mm. If we must. Okay. Well, I mean. <laughs> 
<laughs> don't twist my arm, right? <laughs> now, could anybody describe to me what the inside of these passages look like? They look like balloons. They look like balloons. Do you know what they actually are? Balloons. Condoms. Production <laughs> designers use. I'm not far off, though. Yeah, no, no, you're absolutely right. They, they're, they're, uh, what do we say? So Inflated, bulbous. Yeah. Because yeah. 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 it's meant, it's meant to mimic like rock that's just been melted and bubbling and then yes. it's cooled in this kind of bubbly kind of. Yeah, just some Johnnies. Surface. Just blow up some Johnnies and spackle them on there. <laughs> we got ourselves a movie, right? Excellent. Mm hmm. <laughs> Very inventive. I like Excellent. it. Excellent. Uh, Doctor Blake is that her name? I almost said Baker, but I think it's Doctor Blake. She, oh yeah. Mm. She gets a Jeep call. It's an elusive phone call, but one that existed uh, in a time of many Jeeps. There's a phone in that Jeep, and she, that whoever's calling knows right where to find her because the Jeep driver is like, "Oh yeah, Doctor Blake's here, of course." And so she is told that David's mom and dad have been captured. They are under military care at this point. Nothing bad will happen. Don't worry about it. I know I told you that the thing in their neck is going to make them blow up and die. We're going to do everything in our power to make sure that doesn't happen. Do not sweat it. But also, maybe they're going to die. I'm Dr. Blake. I'm just saying this at this point. So, fortunately, we don't have to linger on that concept for too long because we're finally seeing some Martian mutants, you guys. Let's take a look at them. Don't make it sucked underground, Dr. David. I believe... Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, but they are soon sucked into the earth. Yes, (laughs) Yes. right, right, okay. Thank you so much. (laughs) We had to find the Mutants somehow, and this Uh is how we do it. So the Mutants are played by some very tall individuals, one of whom plays the robot in The Day After The Day the Earth Stood Still. One of these gentlemen, it is plays the robot from The Day the Earth Stood Still, which is a fantastic movie. Anyway, did you happen to notice the zippers in the back of the zippers? Oh, no. Yeah, so they, this is where we start seeing some scorching laser. David and Dr. Blake, and they laser their way through passages. It's just a melt, it's a real hot, yeah. hot iron type of thing. It looks, okay. it looks like the kind of thing that I'd like a red light. Yeah. Yeah, it's upsetting or something like that. Yeah. That's not nice. Uh, so, all right, so they infrared their way through the, the, the tunnels, and they take them to what we are led to believe is the interior of their ship. Here they are, and they throw them inside this metallic space. And after doing so, they bring in their buddy, their boss, their overlord, who is a, I suppose, Martian, who lives inside of a large glass bubble. He is all brain and tentacles. Yes, and this is described as... Uh, apparently a fully a fully developed version of mankind is how it's framed this is what so before when we were back at the observatory talking about how um, people used to live on Mars this is the type of people 
and it's somebody who lives in a fishbowl. Now, this particular fishbowl Martian person, let's get a look here, was actually a little person actor who appeared in The Wizard of Oz, I believe. I think was perhaps a munchkin. That That's it. That's the last trivia uh, that may be okay. trivia that I have. Okay. I think do, that's do, it. Do you think that's a condom that's been blown up over his head there? Well, since we know about, I, I feel like maybe that would not be durable enough for the, it looks like this is painted or made up. I don't know though. I mean, yeah, yeah. condoms are designed to be resilient, right? I and mean, they're mm-hmm. just designed for a purpose. Mm-hmm. I, I would just like to enter into uh, for a moment to discuss how in science fiction, it always seems to be that we arrive at some form of life that is completely or almost completely divested of its body and its brain is really the primary thing, right? Like at some point we evolve past our bodies. Yes, uh, and uh, that's definitely what I'm aiming for at some point is to just be pure energy. Wouldn't that be nice? Think about all the <laughs> yeah. candy that you could eat if you had no well, body. I've got, I've got no body. I'm just saying that, like, I, 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 I find eating tiresome anyway. I mean, don't get me wrong, I like it. But <laughs> what like, I was going to say is that I think effort. that so much of our modern technology is keeping us very much grounded in our physical form to a certain mm-hmm. extent because it makes mm. us obsess about the way that we look or don't look mm-hmm. or, you know, even so though you're suggesting if I get off this iPhone, teat, being I can become absorbed. full brain. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't, okay. but I, what, do we really want to do that? Because if you become full brain, how are brains making more brains? That's true. Hey, what do you got there? Catherine? Yeah. There's already right. 7 billion like, people. We don't need more. We're done. For a we're while. full for a while. Okay. Okay. Brains could figure it out. They're all brain. Right. They could find a way. Mm-hmm. Right. That's all they're doing is sitting there thinking. Well, they would just. So do we go they would develop bodies do, again? Do, do, work into, do we move into this matrix-like structure where we're all just plugged in brains? Could be. I mean, that's and what we're moving um, towards with our cell phones, aren't we? That's true. Yeah. Now, there were four Matrix movies. I've seen all of them. Mm-hmm. Most of them more than once. <clears throat> I couldn't tell you how they got people to reproduce if everybody's a battery in a puddle I of think goo. there might have no, been they, simulation. They had, they had no 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 they it was all uh not um it was artificial. Oh yeah they were growing crops like yeah, they were growing exactly. they were growing like, them. Oh, they were growing them. Okay okay okay. Those Fetuses. the fields. Yeah. Remember? Well there's well, that part you where you watched he, it like 10 times. The karate chops uh <laughs> Remember where he flies really over the fast. fields. <laughs> and like <sighs> there's like this whole like Look, I'll be honest with you. Most of the time that I have spent with the Matrix has been on the moon. You know what right. I'm talking about? Right. So the facts get a little Details. fuzzy. Yes. Details. Right, right, right. But let's get back to space travel and yeah. wrap up this movie. Okay. Yeah. So. Green Martian Man. Yes. Oh, Rinaldi is there. Sergeant Rinaldi mm. is there. And he serves as the communication device for brain person. And the Mutants, and he's the one who explains to Dr. Blake and David that this is the deal. This is ultimate. This is where we're all going to if we play our cards right. And that's where the episode abruptly ends. That's because we had some kind of, you guys, there was a mix-up, you know, recording audio. The thing that you need to do is you have to be able to hear it. So that's that's where we ran into a problem. So to wrap it up real quick, uh, Invaders from Mars, look, the army's there in uh, that, that kid's backyard, and uh, they, they escape from the spaceship. And uh, I believe, do you guys remember, did they blow the spaceship up? Or Catherine? 
Y- yeah. They do. The, ar- the Army Triumphs? An explosion. Y- okay, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, oh, it was the bomb that they placed in uh, before they then got yeah. out themselves and it kind of right. off and then it- <laughs> That's right. And then <laughs> flamed right out. Yep. And then the weird ending where uh, the astronomer, Dr. Kel- Kelston, Kelton? Kelston. And then the other, the doctor lady, <laughs> I was just <laughs> editing this today, and I don't remember their names. They are the ones who tuck little, the little boy, and I can't remember his name either. <laughs> they tuck him into bed and say goodnight, and then the movie ends. So it was to, very strange. Yeah. So, so in summary, uh, what what we would like to do is all of us gave it a pass. We all said that it should continue on. And uh, actually, I was the lone holdout for a minute. I kind of hemmed and hawed for a bit, but everybody else was so into it. Well, not so into it, but they agreed to it that it really swayed my argument. And so I said, yes, let's keep it. And then for artifacts, let's see, uh, Catherine, you had some the the spectral choir voices that yeah. a substitute for dramatic visuals. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. When, and we, I think we felt quite strongly that that should go along with the... Um, the vending machine. Yeah. So, like, when you order your coffee, it kind of gets all dramatic. <laughs> at you. Shrishma Naik, you said that it was going to be possibly the infrared ray gun. Yes. Um, that's we. Although we can't really can't remember. Or maybe a Martian. Maybe what, it was what, the Martian. The zip up was, suit? Martian. was it the zip up suit? Or was it the, the brain in the b- in. brain in the ball? Oh. No, that doesn't. Sound it wasn't the brain, the Martian itself. Okay. Carolyn's was the entire backyard matte painting set, right. which we saw oodles of. I mean, mm. it, we saw that shot again over and, and again. over again. And then for me, it was the actual flying saucer itself because I really enjoyed the shade of green it was. Go figure. And that was it for Invaders from Mars. So next week, what you're going to be watching, we had a spare week before we start the Christmas holiday spectacular so we decided to watch 1954's charlton heston's secret of the incas that's right secret of the incas it's available on places on the internet for you to watch and you should go do that we'll see you next wednesday and until that time please remember guys don't ever forget this has been old movie time machine